pro football focus rankings. Are they being disrespectful to the 49ers, ranking them in the bottom half of the league up front going into the 2023 season? Trent Williams versus Lane Johnson. More nuggets from the PFF rankings coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Appreciate all of the everydayers out there. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. I don't know if you've read the whole article, Croc, but if you have not, have you read the whole article, by the way, from Pro Football Focus ranking all the offensive lines in the NFL? I looked through a lot of it. Like, I kind of skimmed through. I saw what they said about certain offensive lines and definitely what they had to say about San Francisco 49ers and some of their worries with the O-line. Right. So, the the PFF ranked the 49ers offensive line 18th in the NFL going into the 2023 season. And what I find most interesting, and, and what I wanted to ask you, Croc, is if there's any glaring offensive lines where you're like, Oh, they have to be above this offensive line because I think that's where it boils down to me. It's like, okay, if you say that this is a disrespectful ranking, 49ers have to have better than the 18th best offensive line in the league. Okay, well, which one, uh, which one are they better than? And, and we can kind of go through some of those and, and see where we think they actually should be if they if that rank of 18th is disrespectful. Um, I want to go through this though and just kind of talk about what they say about the 49ers offensive line. And um, you know, they project the starting lineup the same as, as we projected, as everyone does. It's Trent Williams at left tackle, Aaron Banks left guard, Jake Brendel center, us uh, right guard Spencer Burford, and uh Colton McKivitz taking Mike McGlinchey's job at right tackle. And Sam Monson, by the way, is the one that wrote this and put this together. So you can get mad at him if you want. Um uh real quick before you kind of keep going, if yeah. you can get mad at Monson. That, that's cool. But I will say, just kind of scrolling through PFF's timeline, they show the 49ers a ton of love. This might be, if not the only blemish as it pertains to the 49ers and how PFF sees the 49ers because of everything else. I mean, just, and I was scrolling through looking for something specific just now, and 49er, 49er, George Kittle, best title, like uh, Nick Bosa, they, now they have him kind of like one or two, kind of to Parsons and there's Miles Garrett there, but he's in that top three of edge rushers. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, they got the 49ers receiver group, the fourth best receiver group in the entire NFL, the second best receiver group in the NFC. So as it pertains to kind of PFF and how they feel about the 49ers offensive line, don't be too don't be too hard on them because they showed the 49ers a ton of love. Just go through the Twitter and you'll see all that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we'll actually talk specifically about the, the Trent Williams thing a little bit later, specifically on the offensive line. Um, but when you look at the 49ers offensive line, I think some of the keys here with this is PFF didn't grade the 49ers interior guys extremely well. And I think 
you know, in in limited action, Colton McKivitz has had some games where he had good grades, some games where he didn't, and I think we've seen that as well. Crocker, like, hey, Colton McKivitz, you know, held his own here. He was looking pretty good. Um, and then other times, like, oh, Colton McKivitz, I don't know. Um, you know, the 49ers feel the same way, I think, about Colton McKivitz. They waived him at one point, and then now they're ready to plug him in as the starting right tackle for the team heading into the season. So uh, safety net is is a, is a worry for me, The especially at offensive tackle with how much time Trent Williams has missed throughout his career. So I can buy where they look at this group and say, okay, we got four pedestrian guys that are okay and they're starters. And then the best offensive lineman in the league in Trent Williams. But if you lose that one piece, how far, like how, how disastrous does this become for the 49ers offensive line? And so that's one of the big questions for me. And especially if you're making a list like this and you're looking at it nationally, looking at all the offensive lines on paper, I could see why this offensive line wouldn't impress you much outside of, of Trent Williams and the pro football focus grades for Aaron Banks and Spencer Burford as a rookie have not been, weren't great. So I think that's part of it as well as the, as is the PFF folks are looking at, you know, okay, new right tackle, you lost your starter. So clearly the guy, if he was better then he would have been starting ahead of him last year, because he was still on the roster. Right. So you get worse at right tackle and they don't have high grades for the interior guys. So I think that's where, the ranking comes from here and I'll read a little excerpt of it. You can go find it at PFF and see the whole article and see how it all breaks down. But basically Monson says, uh, if it wasn't for Trent Williams, this line would be a concerning group on paper. It still may need to lean on Kyle Shanahan's offense to put some gloss on its performances. But here's, this is where I, I think I do start to have a problem with it. San Francisco's line ranked fifth in PFF pass blocking efficiency over the 2022 campaign. However, they lost their starting right tackle in the off season a player who rotated in at guard all season, and they will likely have a competition at center. And I've seen that a few places with Jake Brendel and um, Feliciano having a little bit of a battle maybe, and it's not just Jake Brendel's job at center, despite him signing that that contract in the offseason, a long-term deal. But here's the thing, is I don't know if the one thing Colton McKivitz might not be worse at than Mike McGlinchey is as a pass blocker and pass block efficiency. So if they were top five last year in that, I, I don't know how you could project they're going to get a lot worse unless you are not projecting any sort of a, a bump in play from Spencer Burford from year one to year right. two. And you think that much of Daniel Brunskill and his loss leaving the 49ers offensive line is that big of a deal because I don't know how you go from, you know, um, a pretty good unit, uh, you know, a top 10 unit maybe in the NFL overall to 18th because of McKivitz and, and McGlinchey, and especially if pass protection is more important than run blocking in all of this uh, equation. So th that's kind of where it's interesting to me. They, they really don't like the interior guys and, uh, and they probably like McGlinchey maybe a little bit more than, than some 40, 40. Uh, yeah, probably a lot more than some 49ers fans do. Probably a lot more than most 49er fans do. But I, I think probably one of the key things here is I see Mike in the chat, Mike UA, he says too many new uncertainties, on the O-line. And I don't even know if it's too many new uncertainties, but I do think the word uncertainty is what Monson is struggling with the most. Just like you said, if there is some type of competition at the center position, you don't have Daniel Brunskill to rotate anymore at right guard. And that was happening all year. And you have an entirely new right tackle. So it you, they very well could be better. Like you said, year two jump for Burford. What does that look like? He's the guy not looking over his shoulder anymore. The center, Brindle, he played all last year. Does he do it again? And then, you know, there's a chance that McKivitz is better pass blocking than McGlinchey, at least on, on a consistent basis. So from that standpoint, like, it could all get better. 
but we just don't know. And I think we could say that about a few other positions, and we're not going to get to the quarterback position with the 49ers, but, you know, same thing. Like, like oh, we, we just don't know for, for sure how something is going to look. And if I'm an outsider looking at the 49ers offensive line, I probably would be saying the same thing. We haven't had a, a chance to look at a lot of Feliciano, John Feliciano, who's kind of, I think, going to be this year's uh, Brunskill, where, where, you know, he probably backs up center, backs up guard. And then Matt Pryor, who's going to be the swing tackle. Maybe those guys are a lot better than um, than I think they are, but they don't have any safety net on the for- on the offensive line, and and so when you're uncertain and no safety net, the quarterback position, if one of the quarterbacks goes down, I think they'll be fine because the guy behind him might be okay too. The guy behind him might end up being better. You know, it, it, it's an interesting situation there. You lose Trent Williams, the guy behind him is not going to be better, and the guy behind him last year is now the starter, so he's not behind him anymore. Right. So there's no Daniel Brunskill safety net on the interior. Uh, and maybe Feliciano's just as good. Maybe he's that guy. Uh, there's no Colton McKivitt safety net because now he's the starter. And so they got Matt Pryor and he's the safety net. Um, I, that's where I would worry about this offensive line. And we, here's the thing is we, we don't know for sure, but Trent Williams doesn't play full seasons. He hasn't. He, he's played two full seasons in his entire career, none with the 49ers. Never a 17-game full season either. So in those games, what will the 49ers offensive line look like? And, you know, God forbid for the 49ers, those games happen in the playoffs. So that, that's where I'm at with the 49ers offensive line. But I think there is enough to project some bump in play from the interior guys too, especially the, the especially left guard and, and right guard. Because Burford, I believe he's going to have a better year and the 49ers tr- truly believe it. And I think this is a situation for sure I can totally understand where someone from the outside looking in would say, this is not a great offensive line, but I think the more you look at it and the 49ers clearly believe this. And I think I do believe this as well. And I love how well they're coached by Chris Forster, the offensive line coach. I think they are probably a better unit in reality than they look on paper, but things are still going to have to go right for we got Roberto in the chat. He says, "Can you know, Kyle can scheme around about offensive line. And to a certain extent, you can. Again, I kind of reference 2017 having to play Zane Beatles at right tackle. And somehow, some way, the 49ers were able to get by. And that, that was part of the five-game winning streak at the end of the season. Actually winning six out of the last seven games uh, because of that Giants win by C.J. Beathard. So we have seen a scenario where Kyle is able to scheme around an O-line that isn't the best. Uh can you do it for an entire season if there are some holes on the offensive line? I think that's one thing that's going to be a little bit more difficult, especially when you need an O-line to be at his best. More on the 49ers O-line, more on Trent Williams, more on some other PFF rankings for the 49ers as well. Next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Baseball season, it's in full swing. There's no better place to get in on all that action all summer long than FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today and you can bet on the san francisco 40 uh, san francisco giants to have another 10 game win streak and it's been fun 
uh, to see so many people back at the yard and excited about the San Francisco Giants baseball team. I know there's a lot of listeners that uh, might not be San Francisco Giants fan, but but Croc and I are both San Francisco Giants fans. So if you don't want to bet on them, you can bet on anything else you want in Major League Baseball all summer long. You can build your own parlay. I love how easy the website and the app is to use at FanDuel. And of course, you can still bet on NFL football as well. Super Bowl champions, rookies of the year. Um, you can bet on weekly matchups right now all throughout the season. They're already up there. So go check out the lines at Bet Online for those NFL games as well. Don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, real quick, uh, something important, Croc, before we talk more offensive line. Bobo in the chat says... Damn, Crocker looking swole. Give us a bicep flex. Do you want to you want to show him a little something on camera for those that are that are watching on YouTube, Croc? You know, I um uh, I did a chest workout today and it was it was kind of real heavy, so I might cramp up trying to flex. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it just now reaching across my body to move my my mouth. So I was like, golly, my chest muscle almost cramped up. Oh man, that's funny. But First thank you. Bottom half of that. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate it. Someone, uh, someone on YouTube said something about my beard game being high level. And, Elite. Uh, you got you got a nice little salt and pepper in there. Yeah, it's I don't know if you, I don't know if you trim your beard, but I feel like it's always the exact same length. It looks the same every single time I see you. So it's like, like uh, I wish I had that because mine just starts to get really long. But then if I trim it, I, I don't know. It, it, yours is. It's, it's, it's terrific. Yeah, it's the. I was surprised to read that comment because it's the lowest maintenance face I could possibly put out there on a day to day basis. <laughs> That's my goal um, for for that. Um, so yeah, uh, Fred says, how can they go from top seven offensive line to 18th? Bullcrap. Um, and I think part of it is, and I would doing a national show as well. So I do the the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, and we talk about the entire league every day. And a lot of what we get comments wise is a fan from a specific team mad that we disrespected their team. And, and so seeing both sides of it, doing a show where I talk about the entire league, doing a show where I talk about the 49ers, the it's always fun to go through the process. And sometimes I'll ask people say, okay, you disagree with me and that's fine. Uh, And you're pretty mad about it. So where, where should your favorite thing that I'm talking about, where should it have been ranked? And then they'll kind of go through it and they'll be like, oh, it should have been one spot higher. Like, you're this mad because you think I should, there should have been one spot higher out of 32 teams. You know what I mean? So um, that's what's tough. And I look at some of the offensive lines in front of the 49ers on this list. Like, number 17, right in front of the Niners, is the Cincinnati Bengals. They just signed Orlando Brown, left tackle in the offseason. They got Cordell Olson, Ted Karras, Alex Cap is a really good player. They signed free agency last year. And then Jonah Williams, who played left tackle last year moving over to the right side unless he gets traded uh, at right tackle there. So that's multiple first rounders. Alex Cap, a really good player, high level free agent. Um, you know, there's a lot of money, a lot of resources spent on that offensive line. doesn't look bad on paper for sure. And, and again, like some of these fan bases, if you said, tell me about the 49ers offensive line, then we go, I don't know who two of the th- two or three of those guys even are, you know what I mean? So uh, that you look at the Carolina Panthers at 16, they've got, Iki Ekwanu, who was a top five draft pick last year, going into year two. Brady Christensen, Bradley Bozeman, Austin Corbett, Taylor Moten on their offensive line. The 49ers, I think, could, could hang with that offensive line. 
Um, Minnesota Vikings, Christian Derrissaw. A lot of people don't know how good he is at left tackle, former first-round pick. Garrett Bradbury, Brian O'Neill, a nice player at right tackle. Their bookends are solid. Ezra Cleveland was a high second-round pick. He's, he's a nice, solid left guard. And Ed Ingram at, at right guard. So it's a pretty solid unit. And again, you'd be splitting hairs with a lot of these groups because it'd be very close. And, and that's where it starts to get difficult when you're making rankings like this. So, you know, maybe the 49ers were basically tied with, you know, the Patriots at 13 all the way down to the, to the, who was 17, the Cincinnati Bengals at 17. And, and you know, they're just splitting hairs here. So that's, that's probably what a list like this is like, but basically 49ers are middle tier. And I don't think that's wrong. The 49ers don't have a top tier offensive line on paper going into the year. They don't have a bottom tier offensive line. So if you're saying they're middle third and then you got a scheme and you got playmakers everywhere and you got a coach, that knows how to coach around some issues. If those issues pop up for the 49ers offensive line, I think that's fine. Right. And, and that's kind of where they are. Again, you said, if you kind of throw out names, I just look at the situation that they're in. You have a one-year starter in Aaron Banks, and he was very solid last year. And then again, I'm talking about outside of Trent Williams. We know Trent Williams is the best offensive yeah. tackle in the league, but you got a one-year starter in Aaron Banks. And then everywhere else is like, I know most people probably thinking, who are these guys? So even that center, and I have no idea what Jack Brendel was prior to signing with the 49ers. I mean, so he's your center. And I, I mean, yeah. did he start for another team? I, I don't know. And then you, you look at, at that all offseason going like, maybe Jake Brendel, this guy who's 30, has started two games his entire career. And so, right, yeah. so two games. I mean, you see what I'm saying? So then, and then that right guard, you know, and I can really like our right guard, but – he rotated all last year with Daniel Brunskill. And then McKivitz, he's this is his first time going into a season being a starter. So I'm I I could see a scenario where the 49ers are ranked 24th with their offensive line based on just again so much uncertainty. Now they could play much better than that. And I felt like the 49ers offensive line has been kind of disrespected a little bit, probably probably more by fans than the outside people where I'm like, man, this whole line they, they play solid. Like, so when I saw at the end of the year that it was like, you know, they were grading out one of the better offensive lines in the league. It's like, well, that kind of matches up with what I see. And I know a lot of times, you know, fans watching the games, they'll see a bad play and, you know, from this person and this person and those things would stick in their minds. But ultimately, the offensive line played fairly well considering what's going on around the league. And if they did that again and you start to see them kind of climb up and then potentially heading into next year, you have this same offensive line, they'd probably get a lot more love than what they're getting this year. And that's one of the reasons Kyle Shanahan probably doesn't like having a drop-back passing game that's that's a certain style because he helps his quarterback. It's funny because his quarterbacks get hurt a lot, but he also helps them by having a really good running game, gets them on the move quite a bit as well. There's not many plays where Kyle Shanahan has his quarterback drop back in the pocket and hang out for a while and try to make a big throw, right? That just doesn't happen very often. There's there's a lot, you know, and I forgot to talk about this. We got to bring this up maybe on tomorrow's episode about him and his relationship with quarterbacks. And we've talked a lot about the quarterback position, but I was reading that McNabb stuff. Yeah. And then you read the RG3 stuff, and it's like, we'll save that for another episode, y'all. I'm just kind of teeing that up so you guys know that's coming. Yeah, that's that that on a future episode, we're gonna have to talk about some of the relationships. And, and Kyle does have a he has an odd relationship with a lot of his players, right? It's it's like the um 
the Ayuk thing. And he comes out and says, well, everyone's like, what happened to the Ayuk breakout? And he's like, oh, the only reason he played is because he was he had to, you know? <laughs> and we were talking about Ambry Thomas last week, right, Croc? And it was like, oh, what happened? Ambry Thomas in the season, he was starting in the playoffs, looked like he was going to be the next guy. And, and Kyle's response to that would probably be the same. Well, he had to play. We, we were forced into using him, you know? And right. Next year, all of a sudden, he's not in the lineup anymore. So, um, yeah, it's and I think with quarterbacks, he wants things even more so than any other position. He wants things done a certain way. And I've always said that Kyle's kind of playing quarterback, you know, so he wants you to see it through his eyes. Uh, there's a lot to know. And it's demand. He's demanding of players and he probably does not like being told what to do by a player either or anybody in the world, to be honest with you. <laughs> there was a quarterback trainer who popped in the comment section. I won't say his name, but he said, I'm not a big fan of his. Kyle thinks he's the smartest guy in every room he walks into. And he might be. He might be. But typically the smartest guy in the room doesn't let everybody know. Like, you know, it's kind of something that people just kind of, like they do with the running back coach, or not running back coach, but the run game coordinator, McDaniel, over there with uh, Miami now. Right, where everybody just sing his praise, sing his praises all the time, and just how he was and how he teaches and things like that. And with Kyle, the way this guy made it seem, he wants everybody to know, you know I am the smartest guy in this room. And then when you look at how the roster is constructed, and a lot of it has worked, but I think maybe once he kind of pulls the reins back a little bit, that's when he'll have probably the most uh, success uh, in the sense of kind of winning it all, kind of just letting loose just a little bit, just a little bit. Shout out to some folks showing up late to the uh, to the live episode. Make sure you subscribed up on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know when we go live, so you can jump in right away. Uh, especially Jedi here, who's uh, trying to type and eat nachos at the same time. So I know how that can be sometimes very difficult. Crocs cat even making an appearance on this episode of Lockdown 49ers live. I love it. <laughs> Someone said Crocky's got ghosts. His jerseys in the background are moving because the cat was back there. That's what's happening. Um, okay, more on the 49ers offensive line, PFF rankings, and Trent Williams versus Lane Johnson, the two best tackles in the NFL. Next. Thanks once again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We appreciate all of the everydayers. Make sure you are an everydayer and you're with us all the time talking all off-season long. There's no off-season here for, for Locked On 49ers coming at you every day on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, Croc. Um, by the way, so... I want to get into the uh, the two positions where I know the 49ers, and I haven't looked at the, the defensive backs rankings yet, but we talked about this last week, where I was like, okay, if you were the outside looking in, you'd look at the 49ers offensive line, you would look as a unit, you would look at their defensive backs as a unit, and you would say, ah, I don't know if that that's an amazing group. And I think the 49ers, I think those groups are better probably than someone that would be looking at uh, making a PFF list, for example, would think those groups are going to be some things do have to go right. And so pre projections definitely are involved, but um, I'm interested to see where those PFF ranks are for the 49ers secondary, but there will, there've been a lot of great 49ers are the best ranked running back group in the NFL. Number one ranked linebacker group in the NFL. So PFF does like the 49ers a lot and give them a lot of love. Um, did you see the PFF uh, grades for highest graded players, uh, wide receivers on certain routes. I'm going to ask you to guess them if you haven't seen them. I did guess. see Debo Samuel 
is the highest graded receiver when catching screens on screens. He's the highest graded receiver in the NFL on screen passes. <laughs> Uh, he's the God. I was like, well, I wonder where he ranks in slants. And I don't know if, if how far down the list, if he's number two, do you know who's the number one uh, ranked receiver running slants in the NFL last year? Ayuk? AJ Brown. Oh, okay. Okay. And how about this one, Croc? This is that you're not going to guess it. Uh, number one graded player on, on go balls on deep balls in the NFL last year. It's a sleeper. It's a deep sleeper. So, Tyler Lockett. Terrace Marshall. One of your draft favorites back in the day. A couple years ago. Uh, He's a shadow 49er, by the way. Terrace Marshall. He's getting a a chance to play now. He might be a starter with DJ Morgan in Carolina. So, there we go. Terrace Marshall. Look at that. Oh, yeah, you're right. I would have never guessed. I had him as my wide receiver four or three. No, three. I had Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and then Terrace Marshall. That was the 2021 draft. Right. Now, where I was wrong, I mean, I had him ahead of, like, Jalen Waddle. I had Diami Brown right there in the mix as well. Mm, which I'm waiting for him to have a breakout. Probably not going to have a breakout year looking at the quarterback situation and that offense there. Sorry, Diami Brown probably went to the wrong team. <laughs> That that's a huge part of it with these guys. Oh, if you go to the and we talk about it a lot with Trey Lance, but if you go to a situation that's not best for like you specifically, it just like derails everything. And then sometimes you see that guy go somewhere else and have success. You're like, well, why why do you, oh man, he just developed nice. So oh, this team is like yeah, it's probably just a better situation for that guy specifically. We got to wrap up the offensive line part uh, conversation here. And someone in the chat asked about um, Mike McGlinchey. And here it is, Christopher. Is Big Mike even that big of a loss? Uh, I, I think if you look at how much he got paid, then absolutely not. I would much rather have Colton McKivitz on his contract than Mike McGlinchey on what he got paid. I think the 49ers were 100% right to let him walk, get a comp pick next year, a third round comp pick probably, and, you know, and not pay that contract for Mike McGlinchey. And there's some things that McGlinchey does. Well, and I think he's probably underrated for 49ers fans. I think the league told us how they feel about him, giving him the contract that he did. He was a he was a first minute of free agency signing, right? And so that means you're one of the top free agents out there. So some folks liked him. Sean Payton knows ball, and he liked him a lot. Wanted to be his right tackle. Um, but there's you know some things he struggled with too sometimes in the NFL. And I think he's going to be a very different player than what we see with Colton McKivitz. But Colton McKivitz, I think, can be. Um, I don't think Colton McKivitz is 15 million dollars worse than Mike McGlinchey. I'll put it that way. Well, we'll find out. I, I think if, again, outside looking in, 49ers had, they've had a good, solid offensive line with McGlinchey starting that right tackle. Mm-hmm. And, again, I talked about earlier, a lot of times we see the bad plays, and there were, there was a, not not just bad. The McGlinchey had some uh, highlight-worthy plays, but not in his favor. And when you, that starts to circulate on Twitter, I mean, it's just, it's over for you, right? So he definitely had a lot of those moments, but there was a lot of consistency with him just in the sense of solid office alignment. And I think losing, just knowing what you're getting, again, knowing, you, we don't know what we're going to get from Burford being a starter for the entire season. We don't know what we're going to get with McKivitz being a starter for the entire season. With McGlinchey, you knew exactly what you were going to get. There's definitely going to be some low lights, but there's going to be a lot of consistency at the right tackle spot as well. 
and I have criticized the 49ers a little bit, not putting a little bit more into the next tackle than they did post Mike McGlinchey, because I do think it's important to have some really high level talent out there, especially at tackle. You can get by a little easier with, you know, tough, smart guys on the interior than you can at tackle or just more physically demanding position out there against some freaks of nature that are rushing. Uh, and then, you know, a, a player playing well in a small sample, then you get them on a full season. You guys are watching tape, you know, TJ Watt's going to be watching tape all offseason of Colton McKivitz in week one and coming after him, right? So what's that going to look like? And, you know, we talked about it with Brock Purdy, small sample, and, you know, you have to be able to adjust to the adjustments. And, you know, so what is the, you know, what does the league start? What does the league learn about you? Can you not hit the curveball? You know, can you not hit the fastball on your hands? And we see it all the times with guys who are raking in the minor leagues, come up to the big leagues, and those guys are really good. They find your weakness and they will exploit it unless you can adjust. So we'll see what that looks like. And I think it's similar with the secondary and the offensive line where it's like, okay, it's awesome to have Trent Williams, but you better not have swinging gates on the other side. It's awesome to have a shutdown corner, but the other corners getting torched. You're getting bad safety play. It doesn't matter. I, I, I really look at offensive lines as not Trent Williams and four other guys. I look at it as one unit. It is an offensive line secondary. It's five guys as an offensive line. At least with the offensive line, you get to dictate it. And this is kind of a Bill Walsh thing. He's like, I'm drafting dudes everywhere on defense because the other team gets to decide where they go with the ball on offense. I can decide where I go with the ball. So that that's one of the differences there between kind of covering up sometimes uh, an offensive line. If you've got a bad spot somewhere where you can't cover up a guy who's getting torched on defense. And I think, well, part of that is something that bothered me a little bit. Uh, George Kittle being left in the block uh, a little bit too much for my liking. Yes. And we've seen that at times where sometimes if 49ers tackle does have an issue or guard has an issue, really pass protecting Kyle's like, all right, I got to put George Kittle in that backfield and then have him pass protect. And that's not ideal. I mean, you're, you're taking an, a, a legit option out of your offense as a pass catcher. And when you look at the 49ers and where they have their rankings and pulling up another PFF thing here, it says, uh, do the 49ers have the best NFL, best roster in the NFL? And they start going through positions. They get the tight end, George Kittle. They have him ranked as the number three tight end in the NFL. Well, regardless of how you feel about that, he's top three. That's excellent. The, the, he's top three not just because of blocking. It's because of what he can do as a pass catcher as well. And when you leave him in, you kind of take part of that weaponry away. And, you know, that that's the part where it starts to get a little tricky when you don't have legit offensive alignment. Now, again, everybody's kind of struggling to have great offensive alignment all across the board. But you don't want your tackle to be a weak link. You don't want your tackle to be the weak spot. And uh, that's where you got to hope that McKivitz can pull through. And I think that's the part where, that you miss with McGlinch, just knowing what he is. Last thing real quick, Croc. You were surprised that there were a lot of people fighting for Lane Johnson to be actually the best offensive line uh, with one of those PFF tweets uh, about Trent Williams being the number one offensive lineman in the NFL. That uh, And was this just like kind of – lunatic uh, Eagles fans or, or what was this? That's what I was trying to figure out. So everything that you look at, according to PFF, Trent Williams is the best tackle in the NFL as he should be. He's, he's just coming off of a season where he's the highest graded PFF player ever. Like there's never been a player that was graded as high as he was. And you know, I don't know if PFF is Bible, but they grade everybody the same. So if they got Trent Williams first overall, Trent Williams is first overall, right? They got the offensive line, 18th overall, offensive line is probably 18th overall. But regardless of that, it was a list that showed the best offensive players at each position 
in the entire NFL. So it was best quarterback in the NFC, best running back in the NFC, best tight end in the NFC, best receiver, like just one receiver in the NFC. Any guesses who that is off the top of your head? You'll probably be right. On the San Francisco 49ers roster? No, it's in the, in the NFC. Oh, in the NFC. Okay, okay. I thought you were saying the 49ers had all those guys that were the number well, one. No, but it was – I'm just uh, going through, but I just – right, right. Do you know uh, who the best receiver is? Number one is uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, that's easy, right? Well, it gets the tackle, and it's George Kittle. So they had the – I mean, excuse me, uh, Trent Williams. So they had the 49ers uh, with Christian McCaffrey, best running back in the NFC, tight end, best tight end in the NFC, George Kittle. I think the other two tight ends that he's behind in their overall rankings are in the AFC, uh, Kelsey, and then there's this one other one. Can't think of his name off the top of my head. And then at the tackle spot, you had – Trent Williams. And I was surprised to see how much pushback that got. I want to assume that it was Eagle fans that was saying Lane Johnson. And, and I mean, they were saying it like, hey, man, like, Liz, Liz looks great, except for tackle. Like, Lane Johnson's the best. And I'm like, okay, are these those bots that are floating around Twitter? <laughs> is that what it is? It's like this automated like response to it? Because there's no way that this many people said that about Trent Williams, and just after the year he has had, really the years with the 49ers, it's like, come on, what are you talking about? And Lane Johnson's great. It's not putting him down, and, and Lane Johnson can have right tackle, right, best right tackle in the game. But it's Trent Williams, clearly. Yeah. And, um, I, <laughs> I, I would say that the fan bases of the NFC East are the most insane, I think, in the NFL. Because I, I think it's because of the nature of how they go at each other. So when you have uh, the Eagles and the Cowboys who have some of the most insane fans, period, in the league, they're in the same division, so they're going at each other constantly. And then you just have a, a New York team in there too. So you always always get weirdness with the New York fan bases because they're big fan bases, a lot of fans. Uh, the New York fan bases kind of tend to feel like things are owed to them in a, in a weird way, right? Like their stuff's more valuable than other people's stuff. Um, and so you get all those put together, and Washington is just a weird franchise anyway. And all those teams have been battling for so long in the East. I think you get anything that involves the East, you're, you're going to get some wild responses. I think that's probably what you're seeing there. Uh, real quick. So one of my guys, Lawrence Jackson, he's part of NBC Sports. He put out a ranking. He had two separate rankings. One, most toxic fan bases on social media. Then the other one was most toxic fan bases in person, like in real life, if you're there. Yeah. Most toxic fan base on I social media? I saw the social media one, and it was the 49ers. 49ers, number one. And I could see how, especially with the quarterback stuff, it's been a lot weirder in the last couple of years. And the 49ers have a huge fan base, too, so you're going to hear from a lot of them. So I, I could see how that would be online. I don't know if I would agree to that on social media, though. Still, I'd probably still put Cowboys and, and Eagles fans over the 49ers. Yeah, uh, Eagles, number one in person. In Eagles, Eagles at the stadium is definitely, I mean. Yeah, he said they're number one in person. Yeah, absolutely. They're bonkers out there. Uh, and we're going to see him again this year, Croc. It's going to be a fun season. Croc and I are going to come at you every single day in the offseason, breaking everything down, every which angle of this San Francisco 49ers team as we preview training camp and the regular season every day. Right here, Lockdown 49ers. Subscribe to this video.